0: Welcome to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring, a practical guide for practicing physicians, where Dr. Bradley Block interviews experts in and out of medicine to find out everything we should have learned while we were memorizing Krebs cycle. The ideas expressed on this podcast are those of the interviewer and interviewee and do not represent those of their respective employers. Welcome back to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. On today's episode, we speak to medical oncologist, Dr. Shika Jain, about the benefits of social media. In addition to being an oncologist, she's a writer, moderator of two physician Facebook groups, and has amassed a large Twitter following. We discuss the importance of physicians being present in social media to fight misinformation, the benefits to both academics and private practitioners in growing your practice, and some tips on how to increase your following. Welcome back to the Physician's Guide to Doctoring. Today we have Sheikha Jane. She uh, is a physician who is very active on social media. She's actually the moderator of a few social media groups, Facebook groups for physicians and is is active on multiple platforms. She is an oncologist. She did her medical school at Michigan State, residency at University of Illinois, Chicago and fellowship at Loyola and is now an attending at Northwestern. And as the story goes, she was asked by, who was it that asked you to get started on social media,
1: Dr. J? Uh, the, the media department at Northwestern asked me to create a Twitter account. So that's how I kind of catapulted into social media professionally.
0: And uh, so thank you very much for, for taking the time to talk to us today.
1: Of course. Happy to, happy to talk to you.
0: So you were asked to to start a Twitter account for for the oncology department, for the entire department of medicine?
1: No, just a professional uh, Twitter account for myself. And the main reason uh, they recommended it was at that time I was writing articles for places like KevinMD and Doximity. Um, I'd done a couple of interviews on social media as well as on oncology-based uh, uh, papers and studies. And so they described Twitter and other social media platforms as a good way to engage with patients and get information out there as well as to kind of promote the writing I'd been doing to to have it reach a larger group of people. And I subsequently found it was also a wonderful way to network with other physicians as well as keep up to date on a lot of oncology breakthroughs. So it was a win-win for me in the end after I joined, after I went through some growing pains and figured out how to use Twitter.
0: So could you go into a little bit of detail about those growing pains as as we all experienced and I experienced uh, before I got got you on the phone today? <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure. So I made a Twitter account and I wasn't really sure what to tweet or how to tweet or how to hashtag or any of those types of things. I used to Make fun of people for hashtagging things because I didn't I didn't get it. Um, I my one of my first tweets was I was tweeting something to my brother or about my brother because he's a um, he's somebody who's pretty active on Twitter because of his business which is baseball, and he called me about 20 minutes later and said you just tweeted something the only person who can see it is me, <laughs> and the thing you posted was obviously meant for a larger audience so let me teach you how to tweet so it doesn't come just to me. So he was my first Twitter teacher uh, as I started the process. Um, that was that was a learning experience. And then just through learning from other physicians and kind of pr- trial and error, I learned how to hashtag, how much to hashtag, how to tag somebody in a post but make sure it went to a wider audience. So there's a lot of minutiae and intricacies that People who are very adept at Twitter know. I still don't know most of them, but I think I've gotten enough to at least be an active Twitter participant. Can you hashtag too much? You can. I recently went to a talk by Dr. Esther Chu, who is, in my mind, the queen of social media when it comes to physicians. And she said that tweeting more, or sorry, hashtagging more than probably about two hashtags in a a tweet is probably going to be too much. You're going to lose people, lose interest. And so you should try to focus your hashtags on the topic as opposed to trying to fit as many hashtags as you can into a tweet.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So when was it that you sent your first tweet to inadvertently to just your brother?
1: I think it was about a year and a half ago. So, Probably so a in a year and a half, and a half
0: what you told me before the interview was that you are now at a thousand Twitter followers. So in a year and a half, you went from not being familiar with Twitter to having a thousand followers. That, that is, is fantastic. That is, that is, I think <laughs> inspiring for anyone who's listening to this, who is considering uh, making their foray into social media. That's, Well thank you. So so not only are you active on on Twitter, I and and I met you actually, this is a perfect example of why physicians should be active in social media. I met you through social media. I'm a member of Doctors on Social
1: Media. That is you're a
0: moderator of this. And you're you're a moderator of other Mm -hmm. groups as well on Facebook. What are what are some of the other groups that you're a moderator of?
1: So I'm the moderator of one other group. It's called the Dual Physician Family Group. Uh, I started it about two, maybe three years ago. And the reason I started that, so my husband is also a physician, and there are very unique challenges and questions that come up in a dual physician family. So I created the group just to start asking some questions that I had, you know, how to manage call schedules with young children, how to have backup care. How do you balance household work? How to manage your finances? And it started off with about maybe 50 people in it. And now it's blossomed to over 2,500. And it's uh, open to both men and women. It's open to um, any family or any partnership where um, both uh, spouses are positioned.
0: Wow. So you you basically created the group that you wanted to see
1: exactly i looked and saw there wasn't a group of its type and i created it not sure if it was going to take off or not but i've actually had a couple of interviews uh on that and that group because it has grown so much and because people have found it pretty useful
0: that's great that's great that's actually why i created this podcast it was i'm 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 a podcast fiend that's what i'm always listening to on my um (laughs) no. <laughs> on my commutes or when I'm doing the dishes, um, and i c- I couldn't find what I was looking for. So ultimately, mm-hmm. after years of observing, I decided to just to just make one. so when so when you were first starting, um, did you get any advice? I'm not asking for legal advice, but kind of. Um, did you get any advice from legal <laughs> department? or you is there any oversight from your legal department to make sure you're staying within bounds?
1: So, the main thing for anyone who is in social media or media is you need to make sure that first and foremost, you don't break HIPAA or violate HIPAA, which I think is incredibly important. Um, i I was one of the first, like a hundred members of this very large group. I'm sure many physicians have heard of it, the physician Mom group. And so I took some advice from their uh, code of conduct and read what they, said was allowed and wasn't allowed and got some ideas from that as to how to be careful in these scenarios. Um, I've been fortunate. And then there there hasn't been really in any of the groups that I moderate anything that would be even close to a violation of HIPAA or a legal issue. Um, If someone does post something that I think would be uh, concerning, I usually contact them directly and say, you know, this is something that Either isn't in line with our policy, or it is something that um, I think is unethical. But I've never had that issue. And of course, in the doctors on social media group, there has been uh, people. There have been people who reported posts periodically. And when that happens, myself and uh, the other moderator, Dr. Coriel, we look through and make sure that the posts that are being reported are addressed.
0: And and what is the theme? Is that just people getting a little aggressive with each other?
1: No, I mean, sometimes it's more, most of the posts that have been reported haven't actually been a major issue. One was uh, someone was a little upset with the tone of what someone else had said. Um, Another one, they weren't sure if the post actually was in line with what the purpose of the group was. Um, So a lot of times we get things where people report it and they just write a question to the extent of, is this in line with what this group is for? I'm not really sure. So I thought I would bring it to your attention. It's usually very polite and it's usually very benign. I haven't had any major issues yet. Knock on wood. I've been lucky.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm on physician side gigs as well. And sometimes someone will post uh, something like, I'm thinking of getting into Botox. Um, what do you recommend that I do? Reply. <laughs> um, do what I did. Do a uh, six-year residency in plastic surgery you know, they get
1: little, <laughs> exactly, a little, yeah,
0: a little aggressive, a little snippy with each other. So, you, so you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter. Are you on any other platforms?
1: I'm on LinkedIn, but I mainly, I haven't really done much with LinkedIn. I'm on there. I use it a little bit for networking and I'll occasionally post an article that I've written on there, but I'm not as active on LinkedIn as I know some other people are. Um, I have a professional website that I have been working on, but it's kind of a work in progress. I, haven't put as much time or energy into that just because you know I do have a full-time job as well. So um, it's something where I've used to store the things that I've written and it's up and it's public and people can find it, but it's not as elaborate or as kind of user-friendly right now as I would like it to be. So my hope is in the next year or so, I can work more on that. Um, I know a lot of people use Instagram. I've never been one do Instagram. Maybe it's something I'll do down the line. I know a lot of physicians are getting into Instagram. um, And it's good for promoting your personal businesses or promoting your practice. Um, Some people like to use it to promote other things they do. For example, there are some physicians who love to bake and have beautiful baked goods that they make. So they post things along those lines. Um, I, uh, I haven't made the foray into Instagram yet, but maybe that's something I'll look into down the line. Yeah,
0: the, uh, I think my last post was uh, I I smoked pastrami. We, my wife and I, we made corn, wow. corned beef out of a brisket, brined it for two weeks, and then uh-huh. smoked it in pastrami. And I posted that all over Facebook. I was so proud of it. <laughs> um, so maybe maybe Instagram would be appropriate. Well, you
1: for absolutely could do that.
0: So you you post a lot of. Um, Information for your patients, uh, which is one of the things I, I really appreciate about your um, what what you do online with your with your Twitter page, because I, I feel like for physicians, we have this with this what seems to be an insurmountable uphill battle. Uh, you know the internet has led to the democratization of information, which is great because if you want to find out, you know some some information so the patient comes to you, They've been diagnosed with cancer, and, and something that I tell my patients is: if you don't know your diagnosis, don't start Googling. Right. it will ne- inevitably, you know, lead you down a path that might not be the wrong one, might not be the right one. But but once you have your diagnosis, then then the internet can be a powerful tool, um, because previously, in order to find information, you'd have to you know, go to your go to the library, right. the journals. Uh, I remember when I was. When I was uh younger and had to do any type of scientific research, my mom would have to drive me to the nearest university library and we'd be photocopying journals um which i guess dates <laughs> me a little bit and um and now it's great it's great because there's all there's all this access, but at the same time, there's been the democratization of misinformation as well, and so you have celebrities that are telling people that the the crystals are gonna heal their Cancer, right? And uh, it's unclear. You know, they might be asking you whether they should. You know, how they should be applying those crystals as as one of their first questions mm-hmm. to you. Um, and, and so, so I just, you know, I find hope in in a, a Twitter account like yours, where you're just making it. You're 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 giving physicians more of a voice and making scientific information more uh more more available. And um, so, I guess. How's that going so far?
1: <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate the compliment. I take that as a big compliment because that's one of my purposes on Twitter. Because you're absolutely right. There's so many uh, pieces of misinformation, or you know, shock news, or you know, shock articles or false articles out there. And I do have a lot of patients come in saying, you know, I did my research and this is what I found and. Some of the stuff is very scary i've i've had patients come in who have you know looked into things and they say well this paper says that all you know 80 percent of patients with my type of cancer were cured by doing this cleanse and they go and do the cleanse and they end up really sick so that's not to say there aren't some you know complementary medicine that's very useful and that can be very helpful but i think you're absolutely right with the misinformation and the mountains of misinformation that's out there right now It's our job as physicians and as scientists to continue to promote the truth and explain and educate as much as we can. And a lot of times what happens as physicians is we tend to explain things and sometimes we explain it in ways that patients might not understand or it might be more difficult for them to understand. And my biggest job, I think, as an oncologist is to try to explain things to patients in a way that they can understand to the best of their ability and be able to make an informed and educated decision. Because at the end of the day, it's their bodies and their lives. And I want them to make a decision that's going to be best for them and for their life. And if they're making those decisions without the accurate, correct information, they could ultimately be doing a great deal of harm to themselves. So what I try to do is, you know, I'll, I'll post Articles that are very academic, and then I will try to put a little summary to explain in more layman's terms what the main point of that study is. And by doing so, I've been able to engage with patients who will message me and say, "Wow, that's really interesting. I didn't know that." Or, "Can you explain that a little more?" So it's been a great way to bring very complicated information in almost a soundbite to patients and. It, I think it can be extremely useful, and I've even had my own patients find me on Twitter and come in with questions based on what I tweeted. So I think that it's a very powerful and effective way for physicians to engage with patients and make sure that we're giving them the best and the most information we can.
0: So you found this also to be a referral source, so people will find you through your Twitter Twitter handle, and then come to you as patients.
1: I've found that not as much. I've seen it a couple of times where they said, oh, I saw you on Twitter or my friend follows you on Twitter. So that's happened a couple of times, not as often as I think it it probably has to some of the bigger tweeters out there. But um, it's happened a few times to me, yeah.
0: And do you think your presence allows you more, I don't know, leverage is the right word, or headway when you are treating patients that do come in with this I like to call it non-scientific advice. Uh, I, I so that I think as physicians we should reclaim the term holistic. There's holistic medicine. Yeah. I think tends to be non-scientific medicine. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine from from interacting with you, when I if I were to walk into you, your office and be one of your patients, you're actually being a holistic doctor. You're taking into account my job and my family and my hobbies and my other medical problems and my medical, like the, the entire patient. And so, um, I think differentiating, you know, us as holistic physicians, uh, and then differentiating by uh, scientific versus non-scientific. So what I'm getting at in a roundabout way is, 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 has your social media presence allowed you more leverage or when, when, um, Mm -hmm. Discussing care with patients that come in with a, a stack of information that is non scientific?
1: I think it has to a certain extent because I do also um, tweet occasionally about complementary medicine and about treating the whole patient and making sure that you're taking into account um, what the patient is going through. I wrote um, an article for, uh, I think it was on Kevin MD, about the never-ending, oh no, it was on Doximity, about the never-ending bucket list in a stage four lung cancer patient. So I I think people have read some of the things that I've been writing and they know that me as an oncologist, I very much focus on treating the patient as a whole and keeping in mind all of the other things that you mentioned. And on top of that, I also believe in treating the symptoms that patients have sometimes with medications and sometimes with complementary care that has been found to be helpful in certain cases where there's certain vitamins that can help with certain symptoms or, um, but, but again, the only times I do that is when there is some evidence behind it. So I think that people trust me because I'm willing to listen to what they have to say, and I'm willing to try to work with them as much as possible. But if they're suggesting something dangerous or something that I think will be detrimental or will interact with their chemo, they know that I'll be honest about it. Because at the end of the day, we all went to medical school and residency and fellowships and you know whatever training we did to help people, to help the patient. Our goal is to help them get through what they're getting through. And so... My hope is that through my social media and through my writing, I'm able to impart that to patients that if they bring something to me that I don't think is a good idea or I don't think it's safe in a scientific, from a scientific standing, that they trust I'm saying that not because I'm skeptical, but because I want to do what is best for them or I want to suggest what's best for them using the science and the information that we have available to us.
0: I, uh, I I read that article. I thought that was a beautifully written article. No, was, thank you very much. Um yeah, I would I would suggest to anyone um that I guess you just Google Google your name and, and doximity or actually end bucket list. Yeah, exactly. And, and it'll be it'll be easy to find. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that. And it sounds like actually that was the what you were saying at the beginning that, that was that was your start. You were already writing. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw an article for medium and, and doximity, and she were already doing those. This was already something that you, I guess, enjoyed doing?
1: It was. I actually, I started writing about two and a half years ago, and it, it started almost on a whim where um, I, somebody had written an article about, in For- Forbes, about uh, doctors don't let your children become doctors or something like that. And I wrote a Kevin yeah. D piece um, kind of as a counterpoint to that. And the title of it, it was "Why I Would Encourage My Daughter to Become a Physician," something along those lines in Kevin MD, or "Why I Would Still Encourage My Daughter to Become a Physician." And that is the first time I published anything, and it really just started because I was very passionate about medicine and about encouraging our next generation of physicians. And so, after that article was published, I said, you know, maybe maybe this is something I can kind of do when I have free time or when I have a topic I'm passionate about. And that's how I got started in all this social media stuff around the time they asked me to create a Twitter handle.
0: So do you have any advice for physicians that are considering getting, dipping, dipping their toe? You, you, you <laughs> didn't exactly dip your toe in social media. You dove in head first. I um, but for anyone who's considering you know, you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned networking. You've been able to network with a lot of physicians, and I mean, clearly being the moderator of of two groups, um, on top of an active writer, Twitter poster, and mother, and <laughs> full time physician. Um, and you just you just finished fellowship three years ago. Oh, so you started writing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I guess, right after you finished fellowship. I did. <laughs> you suddenly had a little more time on your hands, and you decided to use it uh use it pretty actively exactly. um so 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 if someone wants to just kind of dip their toe into the field what would you say is i like high return on investment so it's going to be encouraging if they if they do something and then you can pretty quickly see some return on their investment sure. what platform what what reason would you recommend to someone who's getting started
1: so I think Twitter is a good way to start, and I say that because there's a lot of ways to increase your followers very quickly. I did not necessarily know that the first year. The first year I was on Twitter, I was actually pregnant with twins, so my um, my social media was it wasn't as much as it probably could have been if I if that had not been the case. Um, but the biggest way to increase your followers at Twitter in Twitter I've found is there's a lot of roundtables, or there'll be. Discussions on Twitter you can get involved in. There'll be um, forums where they'll be asking, you know, people to to give their input. Um, if you're a female physician in medicine, there's a Women in Medicine chat that happens every Sunday evening. If you just look at the chat and they'll post a question, then you can post answers. You know, give your opinions on it. Um, people then you get more visible to people who are like-minded to you or are in a similar position to you or for example are in healthcare and that's a good way to start and then you can see who they follow and maybe follow some of those people Um, tweeting a couple of times a week is a good way to start and it's it's just kind of putting something out there so I think Twitter is a good place to start and you can be as active or as minimally active as you want to be which is why I think it's such a great social media platform. Um, if you're interested in writing, I say, just write something, just write something, you know, have a close friend or family member look it over and say, is this any good? Do you think I should submit this somewhere? And then submit it. The worst that can happen is they say no. Um, when I wrote my first piece, I really didn't think it was going to get accepted. Somewhere. So the really great places to submit for physicians, I think Kevin MD is a great resource. Um, Doximity is another great resource and they're both always looking for articles and that's just not for physicians. That's anybody in healthcare, um, you know, nurses, social workers, I've seen articles from pharmacists from just about everyone. So those are really good forums to, to submit to and don't get discouraged if you get rejected from one, you know, make, they might give you some suggestions, make some edits and maybe either submit it again or submit it to a different platform. So Doximity and KevinMD are really good. Um, if there's something that's happened in the world that you think is directly related to your field, and you think you're an expert or you feel like you have a very strong opinion on it, you could always pitch your idea to, you know, the Huffington Post or the New York Times. If you're feeling especially uh, lucky, or <laughs> I guess you could say, or especially <laughs> especially powerful at the time, they take uh, physicians writing often. Um you can usually just find there'll be an op-ed editor or something that you can email to and say this is my idea and pitch it to them. I think those are some really good ways to to at least get started. And then Facebook there's-
0: That sounds like if if you're interested, I'm sorry to interrupt <laughs> the, the, that sounds like if you're interested in in networking with other physicians, but let's say so I'm in I'm in private practice okay. and so um if I'm just getting started in my area. I want to, you know, developing a a patient following. What used to happen is you would hang out in the hospital, (laughs) in the cafeteria, Mm -hmm. talk to other doctors, go to the physician's lounge, talk to the doctors there, and all of a sudden they'd start sending you patients. When I first started in in, in my area, I um, I would go to a bunch of doctors' offices. I'd bring them lunch. Mm -hmm. I'd try to chat with them they wouldn't be interested. They, they had the doctors that they sent to, right? right? They had the doctors they sent to, and they were not interested in changing, nor did they have any time to chat with me because they use their lunch to not to schmooze with, you know, whoever's brought them lunch that day. Uh, that's for the staff mainly. Mm-hmm. They, they're busy. They're busy and so you know the way that I ultimately b- built my practice was I just you know just put my head down and tried to be the best doctor that I could be right and ultimately um you know that news I think got back to their um, referring providers and um you know they would t- oh yeah I saw this great doctor so so it worked in a different way and also social media has helped me out a lot because you have all these uh, local Facebook groups where right. uh you know they, does anybody know a good ENT? And then, you know, of sometimes sometimes my, my so. wife is looking at the ones in the area and she's always <laughs> very proud when, when, when my name happens to be mentioned. Um, but but if if I'm you know a local private practice physician, how can social how do you think social media might be able to help me build my
1: practice? Oh, there are so many ways you could use it. So Number one, so let's talk, first let's talk Twitter. So if you're on Twitter, you should find other physicians, referring physicians, especially if they're on Twitter and follow them and send them a message and say, hey, I am just starting practice or I have a practice down the street. These are the types of patients I see. I would love for you to send me anybody. And you know, if I need to have a PCP, I'd be happy to send back to you, um, things like that. So that's almost doing the meeting in a doctor's lounge type uh, scenario only over social media. Uh, The second thing is if there's any organizations in your area that are very um, active. So, for example, in Chicago, we have Gilda's Club. So if you're an oncologist in Chicago, you would follow Gilda's Club. And then when you start posting things, they might follow you back. Or you could even send them a message and say, Hey, I'm an oncologist in Chicago. I'd love for you to follow me. Um, And you will definitely get patient referrals from things like that. The other thing that I think Twitter especially is great for is and it's something a lot of physicians feel uncomfortable doing, but I think the ones who are most successful are the ones who are able to do some self-promotion through Twitter. So posting something along the lines of, you know, my office is open from these hours, or something unique about your office. Let's say your office has free coffee in the lobby. Say, you know, <laughs> you can mention that um, things things like that. So self-promotion is something I think that we physicians suffer from a lack of being able to really do successfully because Many of us are not, don't feel like we have the ability to do that, but Twitter gives you that forum. Um, Once you have some followers, you can, um, you'll be directly conversing with them and some of the conversations might even be uh, in public, you know, in the public Twitter, Twitter Twitterverse as opposed to direct messages and patients will see those conversations. So if you have a dialogue with, you know, you're a primary care doctor and you're having a dialogue with an endocrinologist, uh, people will see that and they will see that you're engaged or you're asking appropriate questions. Um, if you post information, so, you know, if a new study came out about a new type of surgery and you posted about it, patients will see it and say, oh, this physician is up to date. He knows that you no longer use this surgical procedure. They'd be more likely to come to you. So, by being active on Twitter and Putting things out there that show that you are up to date and show that you're engaged and that you're um, willing to to look at things in different ways—all those things will bring patients to you. Um, on Facebook, it's extremely useful to have a a page, a professional page, where you can do similar things. You can post things, you know, about articles. You can Um, post about events that are happening. If you have an event in your office, or if you know there's an event in the city that you live in that's relating to the disease you treat, or if you're giving a talk, a lot of uh, physicians give talks in, um, you know, in different forums. So either they'll give a talk in a community center, or they'll be a part of a a support group. You can put on Facebook or Twitter that you're going to be at that. So by putting yourself out there more and more, people are going to know that you are there and they're going to come to you. You're going to become a household name. You're going to be someone who, so and so's friend, went to this ENT and oh, he also, you know, posts on Twitter and Facebook and he's he seems very smart or he seems very, you know, up to date. So that's that's how you start to get not only referrals from physicians, but also patients who know about you and hear about you and they will come to your office.
0: It is a brave new world out there, very different from uh from a few years ago, where actually hanging out in the uh, in the lounge would get you, uh, <laughs> and just sitting there drinking coffee would get you your referral. Sounds like we need to be very active, but there is a lot of opportunity as well. Um, Dr. Jane, I really appreciate you taking all this time to uh, to talk to me. If you would just let us know where where can people find you.
1: So if you'd like to find me on Twitter, I'm at Shika Jane. So that's S-H-I-K-H-A-J-A-I-N-M-D. So that's my uh, Twitter handle. If you want to find my webpage, which, like I said, is a bit uh, of a work in progress currently, um, it's www.shikhajanemd.com um and you can also find me on Facebook I have a professional page that is public and it is also Shikha Jane md and that's spelled s h i k h a and then the last name is j a i n um i'm also as you mentioned earlier I've been published on Kevin MD and Doximity so if you google my name um i'm sure you'll be able to find some article or another that I've written in the last couple of years
0: Wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much for taking the time out to give our listeners and me uh, especially some excellent advice to the hows and whys of social media as a physician.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: That was Dr. Bradley Block at The Physician's Guide to Doctoring. Find all previous episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and write us a review. You can also visit us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Physicians Guide to Doctoring. If you're interested in being a guest or have a question for a prior guest, send a message or post a comment.